This week, there has been a lot of excitement about football. I'm not a big football fan, but even I have found myself trying to calculate in my head whether Taylor Swift would be able to make it back from her concert in Tokyo in time to watch her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, play in the Super Bowl next weekend. In this moment when people are so excited about this sport, it's easy to forget that just a few years ago, we were having a very different conversation about the NFL. Tonight, the epic story of football's concussion crisis. Chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE. A number of retired uh, NFL players were diagnosed with CTE, so, right. It, is there a link? Yeah, I, yes. Because we, we, we've sure. nailed that. Actually goes back to 2011 or so, which is when hundreds and eventually thousands of former players began suing the league over allegations, basically that the league had lied to them about the long-term dangers of concussions and spread misinformation about the relationship between concussions and brain disease. Very similar to the lawsuits against Big Tobacco years ago over um, the link between smoking and cancer. This is Will Hobson. He's a sports investigative reporter for The Post. He says that the NFL was under enormous pressure, both in court and in the court of public opinion, to do something about CTE. And then, finally, in 2015, those lawsuits ended with a landmark settlement. And so what this settlement effectively did for the NFL is it put this concussion crisis in their rearview mirror. So they didn't admit any wrongdoing, but what they did agree to do is they said... Any former player who comes down with any brain disease linked to the sport, the dementia-related symptoms of CTE, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS, if you get any of those conditions, you're not going to have to prove that playing in the NFL caused it. We're going to cut you a check. Could be as high as several million dollars. And if you have early signs of dementia, we're going to get you medical care to help manage those symptoms. The settlement was a huge deal, and it's already cost the league more than a billion dollars. But then... The Washington Post started looking into it. And behind the scenes, this settlement is routinely failing to deliver medical care and money to former players who are suffering. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Wednesday, January 31st. Today, we go inside the Post's investigation into the broken promise of the NFL's concussion settlement. Will explains how strict guidelines and aggressive medical reviews have led to denials for hundreds of players suffering from dementia, including some who eventually died from CTE. I'm hoping you can explain a little bit more, like, how was the settlement supposed to work for a former player who is, I don't know, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, that they are starting to be concerned that their experience in the NFL has had an impact on on their brain? Like, well, how is the process supposed to go of the help that they were supposed to be able to receive at that point? It was supposed to be like the world's most efficient health insurance program. Yeah, former players, as soon as they felt they were developing early signs of dementia, there was a network of doctors the league paid for that they were supposed to quickly get evaluated. If they had early signs of dementia, the NFL was going to provide them with money for medical care. And then they'd be monitored by those doctors. And so as their condition worsened, they'd eventually qualify for multi-million dollar checks. Wow. And what did you hear from some of these former players about whether or not their experience reflected that intention? That the process was failing basically at every step. And the records reflect that, at least failing to live up to what they thought they were getting at every step. Getting a 
evaluated by the doctors takes months. Getting the records you need from the doctors can take months, if not years. There are cases we detail where players die waiting just to get those records. Once you get the records, many players who actually had problems were being told they didn't meet the settlement's requirements for dementia. And then we're finding later that they did actually have dementia. They just didn't have what the settlement defined as dementia. Hmm. And then even players who did meet the settlement's requirements, players who went through this process and net, approved network doctors said, I believe you have dementia as the settlement defines it, are still getting their diagnoses overturned and their claims denied because there's a panel of anonymous review doctors who can overrule the doctors who actually evaluate the players face-to-face. And well, before we dive into this any further, I can imagine that the NFL probably pushes back on some of the issues and accounts that have been brought up in your reporting. Can you tell me what they have to say about this and this essential allegation that their settlement is denying people who potentially shouldn't be denied? Yeah. So the NFL says that the amount of money that the settlements paid out shows that it's, it's, it's a fair deal for the players nearly $1.2 billion to more than 1,600 former players and families. They say that the doctors we've interviewed are wrong. And then they portray any other alleged problems that players are experiencing as ultimately not their fault and responsibility because the settlement is overseen by this independent administrative law firm and ultimately a federal judge. I also imagine that part of the challenge of this might have to do with age, that like Regular people who don't play football also get dementia and that you know, when you have former players who are later in life that it's, you know, like what's to say that it's the football that did it or it's just that, you know, they are one of many, many Americans who experience uh, dementia as they go into their elderly years. Right. But that was supposed to be one of the main benefits of the settlement for the players was it wasn't it didn't matter. Causation was an issue. You didn't need to prove that playing the NFL caused your dementia. It was just very simple. Did you play in the NFL? Do you have dementia? Then you should qualify for medical care money. Hmm. I'd love to hear about one of the stories that you reported on of um, a family that kind of came across these roadblocks that you're describing, the family of Edward Lothamer. Can you talk a little bit about him and kind of what transpired in his case? So uh, Ed Lothamer was a, a defensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs in the 1960s and 70s. Uh, he played in Super Bowl one and Super Bowl four. That's Ryan Lothmer Welch, daughter of Ed Lothmer. My dad, he was drafted out of Michigan State in 1963 and played from 1964 until 1972 for the Kansas City Chiefs as a defensive tackle. After he retired, he had a long career, built a successful concrete supplies company outside Kansas City. And as has occurred with lots of former players from that era, in his 50s, he started developing uh, memory problems. <laughs> My dad had short-term memory issues, lost keys, uh, would forget where he put things. There was actually a situation where he left his two Super Bowl rings in an airport bathroom. Oh, no. Two kids found it. It was like a local news story in North Carolina. Uh, <sighs> local kids make good because they, they found his, um, his Super Bowl rings and gave them back to him. Hmm. I mean, it sounds like it was always clear that he had a memory problem. For her, how did it become clear that his memory problem was getting even worse? Yeah, I mean, I think what Ryan saw was that as the years went on, the memory problems worsened and then grew to include more general problems of cognition where he would get confused, he would get lost routinely. 
multiple times when my dad would leave the house, taking his keys, leaving the house. Uh, and if he didn't show up at my husband's office, which is where he usually went daily, you know, we had no idea where he was at. And there were multiple occasions where he would call my mom or the guy who assists my mom um, and helps them and tell them that he, he was somewhere and he didn't know how to get back or how he got there or whatever. So after about the third or fourth time of that happening, my mom asked me to try to find something where we could keep track of my dad. Um, And so we actually did find a tracker that we could put on his car that he was unaware of. Um, And then we connected that to my mom's helper who's there, who was there daily at that time, assisting her with my father as well. We, we put it on his phone. In 2016, he was diagnosed with dementia, likely caused by Alzheimer's disease. And then two years later, after the NFL concussion settlement opened, he met with settlement doctors to see if he qualified for either uh, medical care or a settlement check. By 2018, I think my mom was assisting him with most of his daily routine. And for sure, just to have sat down with him and had a conversation, you would have said, well, you know, that guy, that guy has Alzheimer's or dementia. It was unmistakable by 2018. And so the doctors noted his diagnostic records, his, his symptoms. The cognitive test results showed basically that he met the regular definition for dementia that, that any doctor at any hospital or neurological clinic would diagnose somebody with, but that he didn't meet the settlement's definition. Wait a second. So there's there's two different definitions of dementia. Like why? What is the definition that the settlement has? It's different than what a regular doctor would use. The settlement has its own requirements that were put together by experts retained by lawyers for the NFL and players. And in short, a diagnosis of dementia, there's two main components, uh, cognitive test scores and then your symptoms. And the regular definition for dementia, which doctors use, impairment in what's called one domain of cognition. Hmm. The domain is, is a, a way that your cognition operates. So like learning and memory, executive function, language, the way you speak and understand. And so you need cognitive test scores and then you need uh, symptoms, symptoms that are affecting your independence. You need help with your daily activities. And so Mr. Lothamer had impaired test scores in one domain, which is enough for the regular definition. But the settlement requires two domains. Hmm. So he didn't, didn't meet the settlement's requirements. Uh, now, some doctors we've spoken to have said this, the NFL settlement's definition is more difficult. We've interviewed several doctors who have worked in what are these settlement networks, basically, where they're approved by the NFL and the lawyers for the players to evaluate players and see if they qualify. And these are board-certified doctors that the NFL has signed off on. And several of them have told me if I used these this settlement's definition for dementia in my regular work, I would routinely send people who legitimately had dementia away without a diagnosis. The NFL disputes this. They contend that the settlement's definition isn't more difficult. It's just more objective than the regular definition. At any rate, Mr. Lothmer failed to qualify for the settlement's definition of dementia, but his condition did continue to worsen. Uh, he eventually moves into an assisted living facility and, and dies. Of um, At the time, the doctors thought it was dementia. There was dispute over whether to cite dementia or a heart issue on his death certificate. But um, when the autopsy came back and showed severe CTE, that's actually what they listed as the, um, the cause of death. So the doctors for the settlement evaluate your dad in, in 2018, and your dad's condition did not qualify him for anything. I, what do you think of the notion that uh, he wasn't impaired enough 
to meet to meet their, their guidelines? Um, I mean, I kind of find it laughable. I I feel like that, you know, that is, it, it's not it's not just, it's not fair. And I don't think it was what the settlement was designed to do. These are men who, you know, and, and my father wasn't young. Um, and he had miraculously survived the situation for a very long time and dealt with the repercussions of the situation for a very long time. And I feel like that the way that that settlement is structured, it, it's just going to do the minimum that it has to do. And the, there's going to be so many people who suffered greatly get left behind. And fortunately, my family didn't need that money to survive, but it doesn't mean that my dad deserved it any less or that his family deserved it any less. We we all deserve, you know, something for the amount of suffering that, that took place because my dad played in that league for as long as he did. You know, one common thing that came up from a lot of these interviews is you know, dementia, CT, these are not curable diseases and, and no amount of money would have brought back you know, Ed Lothamer as, as he was, you know, 10, 15, 20 years before his death. But it could have improved those last few years, and it could have improved the quality of the medical care they were getting. For those who are younger, it could have provided, you know, one last trip. More special moments between wives and kids and, and their dads before they drifted further into the later stages of these diseases. Hmm. But it's not like the NFL hasn't been giving out money to help people as a product of the settlement, right? I mean, they've dispersed a huge amount of money. Right. They've paid out nearly $1.2 billion across $1.2 billion this year. To, to how many former players? Uh, more than 1,600 wow. former players and families. So I can imagine that the NFL says that, like, they are doing right by former players and that, you know, the, the fact that they've spent more than a billion dollars to help former players, the fact that they have given out money to, you know, more than a thousand former players, that, that, that that's evidence that, that this is working. I think that's their central point, is that the amount of money that the settlement has paid out, nearly $1.2 billion, proves that it's been a fair deal for the players. And what that that argument ignores or avoids is that it may, to the families who have been paid, those 1,600, it may feel that way. But there is another 1,100 families or more out there who have had claims denied. And uh, so, I mean, both things can be true. The settlement can be costing the NFL a lot of money and still be failing to help lots of people. After the break, what could be done to make it easier for former players to get help? We'll be right back. So, well, one of the parts of your reporting that you mentioned was also this issue of doctors not seeing players and players not having access to the kinds of doctors that, that they felt they were promised. Can you go into a little bit more about that and um, what the issue is there? Yeah, the, as part of the settlement, the NFL funded a, a, what was supposed to be a nationwide network of doctors that would see players uh, if they had early signs of dementia, get the medical care, and then if they had dementia, quickly get them the records they need to file a claim and get their settlement payments. 
But basically, as soon as that network opened in 2017, players experienced major problems. Um, first, getting evaluated by these doctors, getting the appointments they needed to get evaluated. And after they saw the doctors, there were these unexplained months, in some cases, years-long delays, just getting the records, the paperwork they needed to file a claim. And so, you know, there there are a couple reasons for why that was occurring, some of which is in the story. I, th- I think part of the issue here was this, the settlement when they created their own definition for dementia, it was just really complicated for doctors. They were like, I know how to diagnose Alzheimer's. I know how to diagnose ALS. But, you know, this NFL settlement dementia is new to me. And so it created mm-hmm. these requirements and protocols that caused these these um, these hiccups in getting the appropriate paperwork and, get, and for the doctors filling out the paperwork to the settlement's liking. And so, you know, the fallout is that, you know, we're aware of two cases where players waited in excess of two years just to get the paperwork uh, and and it didn't come until after they died, so they, they didn't get paid while they were alive. I'm aware of another case in which a player fell just short of qualifying for a settlement payment, and he could have gone through the process again. But by the it took, it took two years for the paperwork to get there. By the time he did get his paperwork, he was um, dying of uh, cancer, pancreatic cancer. Um, so he passed away, and the NFL ultimately didn't have to pay him. And I suspect there are more out there, just given how widespread these issues were. I mean, these time frames we're talking about, these are not outliers. I think the average former NFL player with dementia has waited in excess of 15 months to see the doctors and get the paperwork he needs to file a claim. I mean, when it comes to CTE, that's something that I assumed is pretty cut and dry, right? Like you hear about brain scans where you see this level of brain trauma um, that tells you pretty conclusively that like this this is a person who experienced CTE. Um, what are some of the challenges with that diagnosis that are affecting whether or not former players and families are getting help and, and getting um, justice? Well, I think one important thing to note about CT as it relates to this settlement is that the settlement is about symptoms. And so if you have the symptoms of dementia, as, they, as the players were told, you're, you were supposed to qualify. It didn't matter what disease, CT or Alzheimer's, et cetera, was causing that dementia. So, the, I mean, the difficulty with CT is that there is no way to objectively and conclusively diagnose it while you're alive. Um, oh, Interesting. So you have to wait until someone's dead before you can actually confirm that they have CTE? So that's actually true for all diseases that cause dementia. It's a pretty common thing for someone to be diagnosed in life with Alzheimer's disease and they pass away and the doctors find it actually was a different disease causing the dementia, not not Alzheimer's. With CTE, there are not biomarkers. There aren't scans that you can do while you're alive that conclusively show that you have brain damage consistent with CTE. With Alzheimer's, there are pretty good biomarkers now, scans that you can get while alive to tell that someone is is developing Alzheimer's disease. Um, But unfortunately, that's not true for CTE. So it sounds like the situation is complicated and the the way that this settlement currently functions, um, that part of why people aren't getting help is because it's so like complicated and bureaucratic. I'm wondering what the solution is here. I mean, this is a settlement that has already been agreed to by both parties. And for the people who are trying to seek out help for themselves or for their family members to get some of this money that they were promised after their loved one died, what are the possibilities for that to change in the future? So the settlement is, it's like, it's a living, breathing thing. It's around for the next 57 years. And the lawyers for the NFL and the players can reopen and renegotiate aspects of it. And they already have. After the allegations of racism a few years ago, they did renegotiate that, that aspect. Uh, so I think what families would say, what the families have told me is they want this settlement to operate like what they thought they were getting in 2015. 
put together a network of doctors that can efficiently see these players. If they diagnose them with a disease, give, get them the mental care they deserve or, or the money that they're qualified for without this second step where they then there's this small panel of review doctors who get to review whether or not they believe that the diagnosis uh, is, is, um, is accurate. And then as, as a final point, the how the settlement defines dementia, the NFL could tomorrow call up the top lawyer for the players and say, we want to get our experts back in a room and take a look at these guys who are failing to qualify and try to figure out why is it that our settlement's failing to help them? What can we do to rewrite how we define dementia in our settlement to make sure that we are doing what we said we were going to do, which is getting medical care and money to guys who are suffering from dementia and the dementia symptoms of CTE? This is a crossroads for the NFL. They get to choose now how, how they progress here. They get to either be the antagonist in the situation or the protagonist. And I feel like the, the way that they proceed is how history will write about them. Will Hobson is a sports reporter for The Post. Will and his colleagues reviewed more than 15,000 pages of documents and efforts by more than 100 players to get help. If you want to read more about the Post investigation, we'll include a link in our show notes. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced and mixed by Ted Muldoon. It was edited by Maggie Penman. Thank you to Joe Tone and Wendy Gallietta. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.